Everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's the Diddy NFL on Twitter, and of course, follow the group at UK Packers. I didn't realize how screwballed my voice was. <laughs> that's from just going around the house uh, shouting yes loudly and um, fist pumping the air. Look, it's late, and when I said to the wife who'd woke up because we have a small baby and said, Yeah, how did they get on? and I said, Yeah, playoffs, and she was like, Great. And I said, yeah. And she goes, where are you going? And I said, I'm going in to do a podcast, naturally. <laughs> oh, it's just mad. It's just mad. I don't think this is this is going to be probably a scatterbrained um, podcast. Just a quintessential game to end on. With it being the Bears, with it being all to play for, with the comparison. There's so much to dissect. But the comparison between last year, coming up against the Lions... Um, you know, they had nothing to play for but ruining their season. And they did, but it was a bad season anyway. And there was a lot of question marks there. And you know, we got started kind of late. And you think, right, you get into the playoffs, what are you going to do? Whereas this time around, it was the opposite. It was just the parallels are weird. You know, the Bears have nothing to play for. Yet, like the Lions, they're on a hot streak. You know, I will get to the game and I will get to the excitement and I have been doing cartwheels all over the place. I know everybody on the podcast uh, listenership, including myself and even the animals and everybody else in my house is completely in the nip. But to put together a game like they did and to win it and get to the playoffs, if you're looking for green shoots and you're looking for positivity around, because how much and I'm look I'm losing the road of myself, so, you know, hopefully you are too, so let's just do it, and let's not think too much about it, but, and I'll go on in detail kind of why, and you can see it for yourself anyway, you know, it's just, I don't think it's a false horizon, now this could come back and uh, bust us in the ass, but for now what it looks like is, is that we had the youngest roster in the NFL, We'd a change of guard that hasn't happened for, what, 16 years to go from a Hall of Famer, Brett Favre, to Aaron Rodgers, to go from Super Bowl to the Toilet Bowl and all of that stuff that came with it, the petition that was signed to get Brett Favre back when he tried to unretire, you know, the nonsense with Aaron Rodgers leaving and he didn't want to leave, he was going to retire... You know, and just all of that sort of stench around the team that has been around the team for quite a while now. You know, and fans becoming GM experts and saying that they, you know, know how to do the job better than the Packers do. They're incompetent. and You know, just stuff you don't really want to hear about your team. You know, and I'm not saying like, oh, how dare they say about Gudekunst. Criticize them away. Do what you want. But it's just, I hate the fact that we were there in that sort of zone. And now it's just all come to the summit of like I was sort of saying, playing with house money, I've done this a lot this year, and particularly when we went on a bit of a skid, is to say, what did we expect to get from the year? Honestly. We wanted Jordan Love to show anything, something, so that we'd look at it and go, all right, maybe we have something here. And like I always said, I mean, you go from Aaron Rodgers to anybody, Superman. I mean, you're going to have a dip in play. I didn't see it. You know, I didn't see it. And I'm not saying that he's going to 
become a Hall of Famer and all this type of stuff. But goddammit, if you're going to put a case forward for yourself, this is it. Those throws he made today, I mean, it was incredible. Now, the normal linear thing, and we all know the NFL doesn't work this way, would be is that you have all of these receivers and tight ends as first-year players, as rookies. They're all learning on the fly. And next year, they come back bigger and better. Now, we're going to ignore the sophomore slump stuff. Um, and you'd imagine that Jordan Love would come back with a better command of the offense. Um, the expectation is is that Joe Barry's gone and their defense gets better. Um, although his defense played fantastic tonight, I have to say. Um, absolutely balled out, sacked uh, Fields an incredible amount of time. He was put into the blue tent at one stage with a nasty-looking hit on the head, but he was back out after one play. When I saw Nathan Peterman come in, I think Nathan Peterman has that NFL record, doesn't he, where he's he has six passes but five interceptions or something. Honestly, you can look it up. Um, but just frightening, really, when you look at it and what we could be coming back to in the Matt LaFleur offense. And you, know, and you look at some of those touchdowns that's happened over the last couple of weeks. It's all based on a good run game and pre-snap motion. And the scary part about going into the playoffs is, and yes, I'll keep saying that we're going to the playoffs, is that Aaron Jones is back off injury. And he's looking better than ever. And we were, we're without Christian Watson, who when we were without him last year, with Aaron Rodgers and Watson kind of emerged as this go-to guy. You know, the, we, we're without our wide receiver number one. What, what are we supposed to do? And we can see with this LaFleur offense and with Jordan Love clicking and in rhythm and all that. So the, it's just, what a time to be a Packers fan. And to beat the Bears to do it is amazing. Uh, it sort of harks back to whatever that was, 2018, the dagger play against the Bears. Um, and in this game, I mean, we were really up against it. Coming into the game to begin with, the Bears had the number one run defense. And Aaron Jones played an absolute blinder. They would no answers for him. They couldn't stop him. Um, Domofsky, Rob Domofsky came out with a tweet uh, with to sort of, sort of show how the sledging was at the beginning of the game to say that the Packers had three drives in the first half. They got inside the Bears' 25-yard line on each of those drives and they scored only once. And that was because Carlson uh, went and missed the field goal. And that was a real concern, which was kind of the reason why at the end of the second half when the players just kept staying in bounds, bless, bless their hearts. Um, you know, that that was seen as the reason why. I don't know if that's entirely true. You kind of want to take a shot at the end zone so you can you get a touchdown and then you, you know, come out again. But of course, the narrative's out there that he didn't trust Carlson, but there might have been something to it. But, you know, we can go down play by play, I guess, but I don't want to sort of ruin the excitement here because I'm vibrating. I don't think I'll be going to sleep tonight. But let's just have a look at the dodgy calls or plays that we've seen in this game. We had Anders Carlson missing the field goal. That's those three scrubbed off the board. Uh, we had the fourth and one that the refs gave the Bears. Now, I've looked at the pictures of that and it's quite clearly from the vantage point. It's when you're looking at the play, it's off to the left. They were playing to the right and there's air between the ball and the chain. But it's a bad angle. I think the way they place the ball... I think is the problem. And it did get over the chains. The other problem with that was that the chain was slack. So that was a problem. Um, but I think all mood, mood points, because when you look at it, I don't think Fields got 
far enough down the field and even past the line of scrimmage. I think Preston Smith made a great play and that never should have stood. So we were coming up against that. So when you look at those to begin with, you're like, Jesus. Um, and then our first defensive stand, we got them to third and four. And the minute I see third and four with Joe Barry, I'm thinking it's automatic, right? It's automatic. And again, Fields is allowed to complete. Uh, Devondre Campbell is kind of standing there looking at him. Uh, lets him get past the down marker. Then it goes to DJ Moore, who's in double coverage, and he gets the completion. Then it goes to Equidemia St. Brown. He goes 18 yards in amongst at least three, but up to five defenders. Um, But after that, it's Van Ness with the sack. Carl Brooks on the ground and gets that trip. Carl Brooks is a stud. I'm sorry, he's a stud. But he saves first down and they get it in for the, the doink or whatever. So, you know, coupled with the that play and Arnold's Carlson miss and the refs giving the fourth and one. And then it gets to the end of the first half and Kraft makes a bad mistake and stays in bounds. And this is right after Bo Melton catches it and has the wherewithal to get up, run back to the line of scrimmage, you know, spot the ball to get a playoff. And I praise the coaches and I praise Bo Melton and I praise Jordan Love and everybody else that would be involved. Because you can imagine Jordan Love said, listen, lads, you catch the ball, you're inbounds, get the hell back to the line of scrimmage and let's get the ball down and set. And so I'd only finished typing the tweet and sending it about how Bo Melton had such sort of, you know, maturity there. Played a blinder of a game as well. And then Kraft goes and stays in bounds. <laughs> so I was like, Jesus Christ. Um... And if that wasn't bad enough, he gets the ball again. Try, tries to go out and can't manage it. So he ends up being tackled. He goes out, but he, of course he didn't have any of that sort of forward momentum. So he's ruled down. And again, you can see tempers flare. Now, I will say at this juncture and the jump ahead, he does redeem himself because on third down, right before the two minute warning, uh, which Aaron Jones then goes on and ices the game. He has a fantastic play on third down. Um, so I think he redeems himself there. But straight after that, and just before the half time marker, Wicks stays in bounds. Uh, again, like I can see Kraft on the first play, brain fart. Second play that it happens to him, he's trying to get out of bounds, doesn't manage it. Then Wicks, again, credit to him, catches the ball, tries to get out of bounds, but doesn't manage it. And so it ends the half. And LaFleur, absolutely livid. And it's at times like this you look back and we've been... You know, depending on how long you've been a Packers fan, but, um, you know, it's so... All of these other ones come to mind. I mean, the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks. You know, just stuff that you shouldn't have lost, but you, the Cardinals game in the playoffs, the Bucks in the playoffs, the Niners in the playoffs. Um, You know, the fact that we'd beaten the Patriots in a regular season game, I don't know what year it was, but then they went on to win the Super Bowl and we would have got them in the playoffs and we could have easily seen them. You know, like, it's just, you start getting these flashbacks, this PTSD of the last time that the Packers missed out. But anyway, we're still leading at the half. Um, It's 7-6, so it's not a very comfortable lead. And it's at this point that the graphics keep popping up and Romo keeps saying, oh, well, you know, the Packers have to lose this game. And, you know, then the Saints and, and then the Seahawks and, you know, and it's all these permutations. And it's just, you feel the colour draining from your face. And then the second half swings around. Love fumbles. He's having an absolute stormer. Then he fumbles the ball and they're like, oh, it's a great tackle by Stevenson. It wasn't. And they replayed it. It was Stevenson's Hemle who hits the ball out. And, and not only that, but the ball pops out. 
does a little tumblies and then gets intercepted and, and picked up, scooped up by the Bears. You know, and any other day you would imagine that it just would have went end over end, rolled out, no harm, no foul, whatever. And then LaFleur challenges a catch to Moore. It was a third and seven. And it was a, a challenge and they replayed it and, I, and everyone was moaning on Twitter and they're like, oh, why is he doing this? He does this every game. He always blows a timeout. What an idiot. And then it replayed and then it, the narrative switched to, oh my God, inspired. And they were praising him for it. And it was quite clearly, it wasn't a catch. No way. It went to him, uh, the ball hit the ground and then he picked it up off the ground. Ridiculous decision to rule it as a catch on the field to begin with. But he challenges it and... It goes to commercial break, comes back and it's first and 10 bears. <laughs> it's like, you're kind of thinking, what are we doing? And then I was kind of torn with this one because another dodgy play was the ball zinged out by Fields uh, right towards Cole Komet, I believe, in the end zone. And on the replay, it's going straight to him. Like air between him and Komet and all it has to do is just wait a second and it's touchdown and we're squeaky bum time. But Ballantyne comes back and instead of trying to steamroll Komet and do the clumsy cornerback defensive end or defensive end, defensive um, back thing where you kind of flay their arms around and dive all over the player. He makes a fantastic play on the ball. Really good. And it's... I think it's third down at that stage and, and you think that they're going to go for it on fourth down. And when you look at that, you think that's an interception. Definitely. Should have caught the ball, but I can't really be too harsh on him uh, because it was still a fantastic play. And when you saw the replays and just how sure of a thing that that was uh, to go in, I can't really blame him. And then the last one that I have listed as kind of a dodgy call or a dodgy play was the offside call on Rashan Gary. I think, what was it? Fourth and five? And their left tackle moved. And then Gary reacted to that and jumped over. And then he gets done for offside. And again, just had a stink of, that was a pivotal play. Fourth and five, you get to stop them. And I wouldn't mind Rashan Gary before that. Uh, and I'll scroll down through the plays. I believe he gets the sack there. Or he bats the ball down. And all of a sudden we get screwed over then because, um, you know, he, he makes the, the jump. But the defense... Inspired today. Luke Van Ness was getting sacks. Uh, Carl Brooks was a beast. Um, you know, he gets that trip on the ground. We see Wyatt come in for a sack. Preston and Gary combine for sacks. Uh, we see Ballantyne, as I said, making that play. Uh, Kenny Clark gets a sack on third and six in the red zone and forces the Bears to a field goal. Um, you know, it's just... It's just beautiful stuff from from the defense. And, you know, later on when they have the defensive fourth stand, this little dinky, dunky, short run stuff. And then it comes to a third down, which is in Joe Barry language, it's just like, lads, just have it, walk in, fine, just crack on there and we get back to first down. That's where we're comfortable. But Gary and Smith with the pressure again, you know. Um, and then it gets dodgy after that with sort of, you know, challenging calls that never should have stood and fourth and five and all that kind of stuff. Enig Barre. Uh, put him with Brooks. The guy was a revelation on the night. Um, yeah, it's the fourth and five. Ga Rashan Gary uh, goes offside. But yeah, like Brooks gets a sack. Yeah, Pre Preston Smith gets the pressure after that and they have to punt the ball away. One player we didn't see all night was Dan Whelan, the Irishman. We didn't see that Irish flag in the back of his helmet at all because he was, you know, taking the time off because Jordan Love was just so efficient. So like, I don't think enough can be said. We're, we've got to the playoffs and... 
like I said, we're playing on house money. By the looks of it, at the time of recording this podcast, we're going down to Dallas to play the Cowboys, which in itself is a storyline. I mean, I'm not getting ahead of myself and, you know, I'm grateful that the team made it to the playoffs and I put out that Jordan Love should be an MVP candidate for sure. Um, And, you know, one guy came back and said, "Ah, look, mate, you're having a laugh. And I can get it, right? When you look at the optics and the team are, you know, barely scraping into the playoffs or whatever, and we went on a skid and all of that. But there's all these stats out there that show that Lamar Jackson's the front runner. And yes, it's sexy because his team are the number one seed and all this type of stuff. But at the end of the day, like, we've the youngest roster in the NFL. We've coming in, taken over from Aaron Rodgers. Even with Aaron Rodgers last year, the team was in the doldrums. And someone put up the stats of him and Lamar, and he's right up there with him. Which is almost more awe-inspiring. Like, there's that story of Paul Horning, who won the Heisman on a losing team. He's the only player to to win the Heisman, I believe, on a team with a losing record. Because you always expect the, the flashiness, and that just goes to show how good he was. And this goes to show, to me, how good Jordan Love is. And how much he's progressed. And if it wasn't for Jordan Love, Love, um, you know, the Packers wouldn't be in the playoffs. It's his dynamo- dynamism, the throws, the, the coolness. I mean, I'll run down through some of the offensive notes that I've taken. And it's just littered with, like, you know, J-Lo's ice cold under pressure. Now, it didn't start off great. Jones slips on a screen, start a game, think he gets four yards. The pass is high and off to Wicks. And you're kind of thinking, oh, no, is this one of those Jordan Love games that we saw earlier in the season where he's just a little bit out of rhythm? No, because uh, third and six goes to Jones, gets the first down, lofted pass to Wicks, seemed like it was in the air for ages, 19 yards, great, Jones, 14-yard big run, fantastic, Bo Melton with a catch of eight yards, Dobbs with a sensational catch, and just knocked out for a touchdown, uh, unfortunately Love was sacked on the next play, and we should have got tied up the game 3-all there, but Carlson misses the field goal. Second offensive possession, unreal long pass to Reed. And then an end around um, first down by Melton. Then another Bo Melton catch. And then an off back foot throw to Wicks for a touchdown. And this is where he starts getting comparisons to Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. And he's doing it all game. You know, uh, Phoebe Schechter was saying it in the comms. Phoebe's coverage is brilliant. And she was saying, um, and it was her and Jason Bell and Neil Reynolds really vibed in the studio. I don't watch Sky an awful lot anymore because of the zone. I say you pronounce it, by the way. Uh, but even she was saying it like, the, you know, the sky's the limit for this kid because he's, he's doing it from off his foot. He's sidearm throwing. He's doing all of this. But anyway, the next time you come out on offense, Bo Melton um, catches a pass and goes to the 50-yard line. And then he rushes back to the line of scrimmage. This is before the half. Um, and then Jones gets a pass into field goal range. So within two plays before uh, the end of the half, uh, the Packers were right up there. And it's unfortunate that we left the six points then or maybe even more. Uh, on the field but they come straight out after the halftime Bo Melton with a massively long catch then Aaron Jones goes and breaks tackles then Malik Heath gets the first down and he's clever too because he catches it and then tucks his head down and gets over and then Jordan Love hits Wicks for the touchdown he's what was that the first of two that he scores on the night you know and then at the very end you know Musgrave gets 10 yards uh, and when they're right backed up and then Reed gets a pass absolute laser throw and it was that play that was, um, I forgot to mention in the in the dodgy section, was that uh, Jordan Love lasers it into the end zone and that's ruled out. And it was another example of where, you know, you want to give the Bears left tackle moving and, 
you, you want to give the offside on Gary. You want to give that pass to Moore, which is quite clearly smacking against the ground. It's challenged, reviewed somehow, and still allowed to stand, which is absolute nonsense. Uh, the fourth and one, which the chain was slack. And then we catch a touchdown um, in the most sensational fashion ever. Like, Love absolutely lasers it in amongst 17 people. Um for Melton and the refs rule it out which is a complete BS call if you ask me defence come out ball out and then the Packers end up closing down the game and it all comes down to um, just a sensational meld of it so when you look at when it gets down to the two minute warning um, you have Kraft coming down with the first down redeeming himself from the brain fart stuff at the end of the first half and then Aaron Jones ices it uh, with a first down and then we just kneel out the game so talk about, you know, the young lad stepping up and the old timer stepping up. And uh, what is the Matt LaFleur offense? And I say it every time. It is good run offense predicated on the run. And you give a bit of pre-snap motion in there. Um, and the, I know Bob's your uncle and Fanny's your aunt and off. You got, and it works, works every time. And he has a quarterback in Jordan Love that sticks to the assignment. And let me just say, right, Jordan Love has shown throughout this whole season for me is that he's cool as a cucumber. He absolutely has his head screwed on. And he's diagnosing the defences. He's audibling out of plays. And he's making the throws that he should make. And look, there was criticism early in the season about deep throws and all of this type of stuff. But, like, my God, has this guy developed. And... He was in high pressure mode tonight and he performed and he pulled it out of the bag and his quarterback rating is through the ceiling and he threw more touchdowns than even made it onto the scoreline because the Melton one was was cancelled, right? That's amazing in itself. But if you look at it, arguably the whole season has been a pressure cooker for this kid because he's had to do what Aaron Rodgers did before him, which was take over from a legend. Now, Aaron Rodgers made it arguably slightly easier with the whole will-he-won't-he, Ross and Rachel friend style of is he going to come back and play or is he not going to come back and play? Is he off in a hut somewhere, you know, guzzling um, ayahuasca or is he going to, you know, and that made it easy because the stuff he was kind of getting up to in the last season not being great. But Jordan Love still had to come in and... The fan base, fan base was sort of split down the middle. One side wanted to see him like flame out and be not a success. I don't know why, and I don't know how you can call yourself a fan if that's what you want, just to say, oh, don't you know, who cares? Like, And then the other side was really rooting for this kid. And at the end of the season, I feel like all the fan base have seen him now. They've seen LaFleur, and her ire has moved away from Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers or whatever, and it's moved on to Joe Barry. And even he's kind of redeemed himself the last couple of games. And like I've been saying, like, stranger things have happened that we get into the playoffs and the Packers' defense keep playing the way they're playing. I think there's a lot to be said for, like, pinning your ears back and just getting after it. Because, you know, look, you lose the game. You're not trying to protect your record anymore and sort of, you know, keep close in games. You're going balls to the wall and you're trying to win the game. So, yeah, sack them a million times like they did tonight. But back to Jordan Love. He's had the high-pressure game tonight, performed... Along with all of the, the kids out there playing wide receiver and tight end. And the, the blocking by the tight ends was immaculate. The offensive line gave Jordan Love loads of time. And they broke open running lanes. Like, honourable shout out to them. So he's had pressure tonight. He's had pressure at the start of the season and performed. He beat the Bears then as well. But throughout the whole season, he's kept himself calm, composed. They've lost a load of games in a row. 
He's come back and pulled them away from it. He's beat the world champ uh, Chiefs. Uh, he's beat the Lions, who were, you know, the team to beat. They're the NFC North champs, whatever. Um, but these last few games have been hyper pressurized again because of that skid and needs to come back and needs to win them all for a chance to get into the playoffs. And he's done that too. So there's been like three, four, five different sort of microcosm pressure situations of him coming and taking from Aaron Rodgers, him playing his first game, him playing his first game at Lambeau, him trying to do it with young wide receivers, um, you know, going on the skid and trying to pull this team back out of it and not be too negative. Uh, then Aaron Jones gets injured, so then he's got to take over and say, well, I'm the only dude that can do it now. And I know he's had help with AJ Dillon and all that jazz, but really the sort of pressure falls on him. Then he's getting criticised over his deep balls. And then uh, the last couple of games of the season, there's another high-pressure situation because any game that you lose now, you get dumped out and, you know, all of this miry stuff. And now we're in the playoffs. And let me go back to the expectations. You want Jordan Love to show some promise. You want the young guys not to make too many mistakes and all that kind of grow as well. Massively risky strategy from Kudakunst. Jesus. You know, because if no, if they all don't perform... And we've seen that happen, haven't we? We've seen experienced wide receivers and we've seen some young kids in there and, you know, you keep trying to go to these guys and, and it doesn't work out. You know, the, the Randall Cobb comparisons of like, oh, this guy's going to come in and be the next Randall Cobb. And it just doesn't work out. And you can look at that and say, yeah, because I don't get enough playing time, practice time, and the ball goes to the seasoned guys. But Jordan Love's just spraying the ball around. Wherever, whoever's open, there you go. They have the ball. There you go. Take it. Get some yak. So it's all positive. Uh, the future looks really bright. But for the moment, we're in the goddamn playoffs. And we get one go with this thing. And it's better than what we could do last year. And the advancement throughout the season has been fantastic. And I'm just delighted. I'm going to be doing another quick snaps. I'm going to be talking about how the Packers are going to take on the Cowboys. I'm going to deep dive into the Cowboys season. And we're going to get all the analytics. Um, and it's just a great time to be a Packer fan. And this offense is, there's a real dark cloud, I feel, that's been lifted off this Packers team. Because for so long, the expectation was there that we were ruining Aaron Rodgers' prime. You know, and then we see a kid like Jordan Love come in. Uh, just a, so much positivity. The way the locker room's coming together. Uh, the way he's advancing as a leader. Oh, it's just goosebump stuff. But anyway, I think it's time that uh, y'all went to bed. I went to bed. Um, we're not going to sleep, let's face it. But anyway, onwards we march. No hard knocks for the Packers. The future is bright. Jordan Love is that guy. Speak to you in a couple of days, folks. Go Pack Go.